Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. This morning. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, you're in the right place at the right time right now. Well, you can be seated. Uh, we're in a series here if you haven't already found out, called Searching for God. And this series looked at some of the most commonly searched questions about God that people search for things on the Internet. People often use uh, the Internet to ask questions about God. Some of them is, how do we know that God is good? I talked about that last week. Now, how do we know that God loves everybody? That might be a common question. But this morning, I'm going to talk about why does God allow bad things to happen? <clears throat> why does God allow bad things to happen? And it's a common question that most people ask. Let me take a drink of this tea here this morning. Keep me in prayer this this thing with my throat trying to come back at me. We're going to rebuke that, right? And uh, uh, we I've been dealing with it again, so we'll believe God. But there's an old uh, proverb, an error proverb that says, all sunshine and no rain makes the desert. All sunshine and no rain makes a desert. So we have to have both. And I will say this, that life is a mixture of good and bad, ups and downs, highs and lows, mountains and valleys. And last week I was emphasizing the book of uh, Psalms, Psalm 23, in which David writes, The Lord is my shepherd. And I talked about goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And this morning I want to emphasize this one verse here. But let me read the, the psalm here in Psalms chapter 23, verse 1 through 4. And I want to emphasize the last verse here in verse 4. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. Most of you may know it as I, you know, I shall not want. But he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the right path for his namesake. So God will give you guidance if you ask. And this is the verse that I want to emphasize this morning. It says, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So let's pray as we dive into this message this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for the people that are here this morning. I pray that the word of God would minister to their lives. And maybe they're going through that valley of the shadow of death today. Maybe they're going through some dark times. Maybe they've experienced some things in the last few months or the last year, God, that you can encourage them and let them know that you're with them today. So I pray, Holy Spirit, the anointing of your spirit on everything that I say today and that the people today would hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus' name. And everyone said, so now this phrase, even though I walk 
through the valley of the shadow of death. The valley of the shadow of death, believe it or not, is actually a place in Israel in which the canyons are very narrow, where you would have to walk through these canyons, and some of these canyons are six to 800 feet tall. And because the canyons are so tall, uh, most of the time the sun does not hit these can or hit the pathway that you're walking through. So it seems like uh, you're walking through this valley. It's a dark valley. They say the only time really sun can get in between there is when the sun is directly above it. But most of the day it's dark. Most of the day it's damp between these canyons. And so it could be that David understood these canyons and oftentimes because he was a shepherd he'd have to get the sheep to the other side of these canyons and this was the quickest route and it's very dangerous and very dark in order to lead these sheep through the canyon so it's very interesting that king david said though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i'm also reminded of a story in the book of kings i'm not going to read the whole story but i do want to give you a little bit of narration here in first corinthians or first kings chapter 20 or summary i should say first king chapter 20 verse 23 and this uh, story is really something that happened 2900 years ago and the king of israel at that time was a man by the name of ahab and the syrian army had decided that they wanted to get rid of ahab they wanted to get rid of Israel and so the king of Syria lined up 32 nations against Israel. They came against Israel and God miraculously gave Israel the victory and they soundly defeated 32 nations that had come against Israel. Kind of sounds a little bit like our current time, doesn't it? And then the following year the Syrians decided that they were going to try this again and so they got all of these nations together again and said we're going to get all the nations we're going to go back at it a year later but this time they changed their strategy because they begin to review where they lost or how they lost the year before and they came up with this plan in first corinthians chapter 20 verse 23 and this is what they said the syrian military advisors went to their king and explained israel's gods are the gods of the hills so they're not acknowledging that israel has one god that they serve they think they have many gods and so they said the israel's gods are the gods of the hills and the last time we fought them remember it was a year ago we fought them in the hills that's why they defeated us, because we were fighting them in the hills. And so that was their rationale. But if we fight them in the valleys where they are weak, we will defeat them there. So they felt like if they changed their plan, and instead of fighting the people of Israel or the army of Israel up in the hills, they decided, hey, we're going to fight them down in the valley we're going to outnumber them there's no way they're going to beat us down there their gods cannot protect them in the valley uh, our army is huge and we'll be able to overtake them in fact first king 20 27 said when the syrian forces covered the whole countryside they said that israel's army or the israelites looked like little flocks two little flocks of goats 
going along the side. It was, they were so outnumbered by the number of the Syrians. It was very unbalanced. Literally, there were hundreds and thousands of troops that were coming against the people of Israel. And at that time, they estimate that Israel probably only had about 7,000 troops. So it was going to be a slaughter. I mean, Syria was going to come and slaughter Israel, and the inevitable was going to happen. They were going to be defeated. But this is what the Bible says, that God speaks up and says in 1 Corinthians chapter, 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 28, said, because the Syrians think, God is saying, because the Syrians think that I am only the God of the hills, and I'm not the God of the valleys, I'm going to give you victory over this huge army so that everyone will know that I am the Lord. So if I can summarize this whole thing, God is God, and he's not just the God of mountaintop experiences, but God is also the God of valleys. Can you say amen? And maybe right now you're going through a valley in your life. God says, I am the God of the valleys. In other words, I am the God not only of your good times, but I am the God that's also when you're having some bad times. I'm not only the God in your happy times, but I'm also the God when you're depressed. I'm not only the God when everything is going smooth, but I'm also the God of the valleys. Someone say amen. And so valleys in Scripture literally means valleys. That's what they mean. But metaphorically, when God refers to valleys, many times he is talking about difficult times. He is talking about trouble. In fact, there's the valley called the Valley of Achor, which means the valley of trouble. There's also the valley of weeping. And so there are many valleys, in fact, I'm going to talk about several valleys. I can't even cover all the valleys that the Bible talks about, but I'm going to talk about a few valleys today in dark times of why does God, many times we can experience these mountaintop victories, and yet other times it could seem like we're in a valley of darkness, a valley of despair, a valley of defeat, a valley of discouragement, a valley even when there's death around us. So how does God view it when we're going through the valleys in our life? Because I'm going to just be honest with you. Most of life is not going to be a mountaintop experience. But how many know if you've been around for a while, most of life is kind of a valley. Am I right? You're not always up here. There are most of the times... You're in the valley. In fact, if you came this weekend, I want to encourage you and let you know that, yeah, bad things do happen, but I'm here to tell you that God is with you. Can you say amen? And this is exactly why David says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So maybe you're in a financial valley right now. Your finances aren't really great. Maybe you're in a relational valley right now where your relationship with someone or somebody or, or a few people are not good. Maybe it could be family. Maybe you're in a tough spot 
when it comes to relationship. Maybe you're in a valley of disease. Maybe you're in the valley of sickness. Maybe you're in a valley of death where someone around you, close to you, has died. But I want to just say to you, write this down. Number one, this is my first point, is valleys are a part of life. They are a part of life. Well, nobody really excited about that, right? You didn't... We, can I, can I speak the truth today? Can I <laughs> preach the word of God? Because in other words, they're inevitable. In other words, they are a normal part of life. You can't avoid them. They're going to happen. In fact, you can count on them. This is stuff that we don't like to hear. This is stuff that we don't like to hear preach or talk about. And many times people are shocked or like they're blindsided because all of a sudden they're in this valley. And I'm going to just tell you this. Write this down. You either are coming out of the valley or you're in the middle of the valley or you're about to go into a new valley. Welcome to Reed Church this morning. I'm here to preach the truth. You're either coming out of one or you're in the middle of one, or you're about to begin one. This is life. And the only question is not if you're going to go through a valley. The question is when you're going to go through it. You're going to experience disappointment. You're going to experience defeat. You're going to experience distraction. You're going to experience disturbances and despair and depression. How many more D words do you need? And death. Valley are part of life. And God's plan for your life, listen to me, are hills and valleys. In fact, they're part of life. Bible said Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 11, even the promises of God have valleys. He goes, the promised land you're about to enter is the land of hills and valleys. Again, metaphorically what it means that, that when you're in the center of God's will... And listen to me, you can be in the center of God's will and still be in a valley and still have bad things happening in your life. You can be in the promised land, and again, it's not all mountaintop. When you go through the valleys of life, that's part of the plan of God. In other words, part of the inheritance, part of the promised land includes hills and valleys. Listen to me. It's a, a part of life. And if you're a believer, some of those valleys are what they call trials and tribulations. In fact, First Peter says this, don't be surprised when you are tested by troubles or painful suffering as if something unusual is happening to you. Like, man, I didn't know life is it. Welcome to life. Welcome to being a human being. Why are you so shocked? This is part of being in life. This is part of being a human being. Well, God's punishing me. No, no, no. You're a human being. That's what's happening to you. This is part of life today. And it's unavoidable. It says it's going to happen. And because you're human, things happen. Life is bad. Why are things happening? Why are things bad? Why isn't everything great? Because we live in a broken world. Have you figured that out? We live in a fallen world. There's disease, sicknesses, and it all started by sin. 
sin destroyed this world, destroyed the perfect world that God had made when man decided to disobey God and man continues to disobey God. This is why the world is broken the way it is. And because when it's broken, there's sickness, there's disease, there's problems, there's valleys. And so again, they are unavoidable. They are a part of life. Number two, valleys happen to everyone. In other words, you're not immune. I know you're saying, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not below. I, I hear all this. God bless you. Amen. You're, but I'm going to just tell you, it happens to everyone. Your valley is coming. I'm just, I'm not prophesying it. I'm just telling you that you're either going in one, coming out of one, right? Again, it happens to everyone. There's no way that you can avoid them. Good things happen to bad people. Did you hear me? And bad things happen to good people. So good things that happen to bad people and, and bad things that happen to good people or the opposite. You say, man, they're not even good. doesn't matter. You know what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5? Jesus said this. He, he makes his rain or he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. Did you notice when it rained the last few days, it just didn't rain on the bad people. It rained on us, right? Your house leaked just like everybody else's house leaked, right? As he rains on the just and the unjust. Like we got a leak in the cafe. We got to take care of that. Man, I hate that leak, man. It's, always, it's under that air conditioner. We're going to have to lift that thing up and work in there. And that's where that leak's coming from. But it rains on the just and the unjust. Valleys are not, uh, they're not impartial. In other words, they're unbiased. In Psalm 34, 19, the good man does not escape all troubles. He has them too. But the Lord helps them with each and every one of them. So, again, you're not going through life because God is punishing you or valleys because God is punishing you. You're not immune. It's just part of being in the human race. And as a Christian, you're not exempt. Number three, valleys are unpredictable. Don't you wish that you could at least get like a heads up, hey, you're going to go through something. Hey, th things are going to happen. Don't you wish that you can plan for some of the valleys? That way you're not caught off guard. In fact, there's the video, an old uh, OJ commercial. We're going to show it right now of how they get a heads up because he, he has his orange juice. And so uh, it's an old commercial. Why don't we play that real Morning, quick? Morning, people. What's on the agenda? Yep. At 7, you'll arrive at my toll booth with no change. Not even under the seat? Nope. Great. Mark. I'm calling in sick, so you have to hand them all day climbing. Excellent. Jennifer. At 11, I'll call crying because you haven't updated your relationship status. After just one date. Yeah. <laughs> Carl. After lunch, a box of nails will fall out of my truck, blowing two of your tires. Nearest gas station? Three miles. Good thing I got more shoes. And me. You have me. Take on the day. Good thing he's the got his orange juice, right? 100% pure. Don't you wish that your life could be that way? You could just sit down with all your problems and tell you what's going to happen next? Right? You just kind of have a meeting every morning. Hey, what's on the agenda today? What's, what's going to happen to me today? But how many of that's not how life is? You can't schedule it. You can't get a heads up. One phone call can change everything. All it takes is someone to just call you. And it can change quickly. Your day can go from being on the mountaintop to being in the valley. Disaster can happen quickly. People's bad decision can affect you. Am I right? 
All these things. All of a sudden, something at the job happened. It all came from above, from corporate, man. You know what? Your thing's over. Your contract's done. And you didn't expect it. That's why the Bible says, Proverbs 27, verse 1 says, don't ever brag about tomorrow. Since you don't know what the day will bring forth. Valleys are impartial and they're unpredictable. I can tell you guys really love this message this morning. But I need to tell you this. I need to share this with you because I'm often surprised by the reaction and response of people when they're going through issues and problems. And the first word I say, it's not fair. Join the club. I started the club. It's not fair. You can join. You can sign up. It's not fair. It's not. Not fair. But it's part of life. And, and the Bible is filled with significant valleys. The Bible is filled with significant problems. In fact, I'll name one of the valleys. It's called the Valley of Ishkah. And it's found in Numbers chapter 13. I've shared a little bit about this before, but it's Moses. And God gives him or tells them about the promised land. And they've come out of Egypt. We know that the people of God have been in bondage for 400 years. They have been slaves. They have been slaves under Pharaoh. They've been told what to do, how to do it. And now they're free. And God says, I want you to go into the promised land. This is the land that I've had for you. It's the, uh, the land literally flowing with milk and honey. We know the story. He sends out 12 scouts to spy out the land. Go check it out. And back, Actually, God tells them, go, go send 12 scouts so you can see what you're going to get. So you can see the prize, but instead of seeing the prize, they see the giants and not the prize. They are filled with fear and not with victory. And we know the story, 10 of the spies come back saying, we can't do it. They're giants in the land. And only two come back say, we can take the land. We can do it. Numbers 13, 23, then the spies came to the valley of Ishkal. The fruit was so abundant that they cut off a grape branch, which had a giant cluster of of grapes on it. It was so large and heavy that it took two men to carry it back on a pole between them. Those are some big grapes. I mean, I go to the market, I mean, these little things are tiny. They're getting smaller and smaller by the minute. And the big ones, you know they're fake. They put steroids or something in that thing. It's like, oh, no, no, don't touch that thing. That thing is way too big right there. They're pumping it up with something. I don't want part of that. But have you ever seen a cluster of grapes so big that it took two men to carry it? And the Bible said they had this. It was so heavy. It took two men. But the Bible said they came back with a mixed report. And what that mixed report is, a conflicting report because most of them, 10 of the 12, said we cannot do it. We, we can't go into this country. And in fact, in Numbers 13, verse 27, it says, the report to Moses was, it indeed is a magnificent country. It is rich. It is fertile. And here's the fruit to prove it. Uh, but the people living there are powerful. And it said, but, again, but the people. How many know your but will always get in the way of what God wants, right? It said, but the people there are so big. They're giants. We're not able to do it. We're not able to go in. And instead of looking at the prize, they were looking at the giants. 
See, 10 people were looking at the giants, and two of them were looking at the grapes. They were looking at, hey, we can take it. Look at this. Look at this. And it says in Numbers 33, 13, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Talk about low self-esteem. How did they even know how they looked to them? That's how they said, we, we, we're just, you know, we, we're, we're grasshoppers. They're going to eat us alive. If you, if you read the scripture, we're going to be uh, chocolate grasshoppers to these giants. Uh, they're going to swallow us up. Uh, and, and so they begin to measure themselves to the enemy. God never, God told them to size up the situation, not to size up themselves. When you begin to size up yourself, you size up your weaknesses. You size up your failures. You size up what you can't do, rather what you can do in God. And so this valley of Eshkah is the valley of fear. The valley was we begin to feel defeated. And you've heard me say it. It's not the news you receive, but it's the report that you believe that determines the future. You can have the same news, but a different headline. Same news, but a different report. Someone's giving you a different angle. And so instead of listening to the two men who said we can do it, they listened to the ten men that said we can't do it. We're not able to face this. There's another valley. i got to go quickly. It's the valley of Elah. And this valley is where David met the giant Goliath. How many remember that story? Most of us know the story of David and Goliath. The Bible says in this valley of Elah, the people of Israel were on one side and the, the Philistines were on the other side and there was a valley between them. There was a valley between both of them and we know the Bible says that Goliath came out and he began to taunt or begin to tease the people of Israel. And he said, why don't you send out your best guy to fight against me. And of course, we know Goliath was, you know, he was the, one of the original UFC fighters and mano mano. He said, come, come fight me. This guy's nine feet tall. And the Bible says they're all afraid. Uh, they, they don't want to do anything. And finally, little David comes. He's just a shepherd boy. And he says, I'll take on that big boy myself because I serve a God that's bigger than a giant. Can you say amen? And, and we know the story. David defeats the giant because Elah is the valley of conflict. It's when we're facing challenges, when we're facing conflicting reports. We don't know what we're going to do. Are we going to be able to do it? It may describe your marriage. It could be in conflict right now. It may describe your situation right now that you're going through. And again, I got to skip this next valley because we don't have time. But I want you to realize today there are going to be valleys in your life. So here's what I want you to remember. Write this down. I'm going to go to the solution. Whenever you're going through a valley, I want us to remember that you're not alone. Say it. I am not alone. God is with me. So that's what we have to remember, that I am not alone, that God is with me. By the, by the way, the shadow of death is the Hebrew word, which means salma, which means wet. In other words, salma, wet is the valley of the shadow of death. It's damp. And so in this valley that's damp and wet and dark, 
here's two key words that are, he says here, even though I walk through. So the first key word is through. In other words, the valley is temporary. It's not permanent. And, it's, and the second key word is you. In other words, you are with me. You're not by yourself. You're not isolated. The, excuse me. God is with you. So sooner or later, we have to realize today that you may feel alone, but you're not alone because God's with you. And this is why many times when bad things happen, we often think, man, why is this going on? Where is God? And you know what I'm going, can I tell you, God's right next to you. Here's the other thing it says, though I walk through the valley of a shadow. How many know shadows can't hurt you, but they can scare you? You, you saw a shadow and it's just a little chihuahua and you thought, man, it's a, man, it's a, what is that, a dinosaur? It's a little chihuahua, man. He thought it was a big truck and with one of those smart cars, you know. It's like, wow, that's a big, you know. And so the shadow many times is bigger than the actual thing. And many times we're afraid of the shadow. The shadow is, here's what I want to say about a shadow. It's an image without a substance. You're afraid of a shadow. It's the image that you think that shadow has, but it has no substance. And here's the other thing I want you to think about. There can be no shadow without a light. Am I right? There is no shadow without a light. Because if there's no light, there's no shadow. Can I tell you today, the shadow implies the presence of a light that God is with me. And what we have to do is turn our back on the shadow and look to the light. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. In other words, we're not alone, that he is with us. And he, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Who, he who believes in me shall not walk in darkness. Who believes in me will not stumble in darkness because I am the light. So when you're scared by shadows in your life, you need to turn to the light, which is God, and realize that he's got your back, that God is with you. He's not forsaken you. He's with you. He's going to be right there beside you. Somebody say amen. <laughs> the second thing I want us to remember about, about these valleys, remember that God has a good purpose for my life even in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death. That God has a purpose. In fact, the whole psalm, as I ministered last week, was at the end, he said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. If you missed last week's sermon, just go online. You can listen to it. YouTube, podcast, whatever. That's just a little commercial. But you can listen to it again. But that whole chapter is talking about the goodness of God. It's talking about no matter what I'm going through, that God's good. He's my shepherd. He's taking care of me. And so God is good. He cannot do evil. It's impossible for God to do evil. God has the plan for my life. It's a good plan, even when it looks like a bad plan. That sometimes bad things can be disguised in good things. Many times what we think is bad, remember, sometimes we think, how do you know it's bad news? And how do you know it's good news? Remember that story? 
You don't realize that the bad news may actually be good news. And so you're going through this valley of fear. You're going through this valley of conflict. You may be going through a valley of failure, a valley of all these different things that are happening. But know that God is with you and he has a purpose. In fact, Romans 5, 3 says we can even rejoice in our suffering. How can you rejoice? He said knowing that the suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and the kind of hope that does not disappoint. Remember I told you last week, I'm a hope dealer. Hallelujah. Not a dope dealer. I'm a hope dealer. If you're coming this week, I'm going to give you hope. If you come this whole month, you're going to get some hope in this place. Today, I'm offering you hope. I'm telling you today, if you'll trust God, you're putting your hope in the right place. The kind of hope that does not disappoint because God has poured out his love toward us. God is building character even in the midst of your valley. There's a man by the name of Stephen Curtis Chapman. And he is part of the uh, Christian music. And he writes, he's written a lot of music, a lot of songs and worship songs. He wrote a book between heaven and the real world, and he discusses the valley that he went through because of the loss of his child. His daughter, five years old, was run over by an SUV, and the one driving the SUV was his teenage son. As the son was pulling the car into the driveway, his little girl came out of the garage, but as he's pulling up, he didn't realize she was running toward the truck, and he ran her over. And uh, he talks about that part in his life. In the interview, he says, Jesus tells us in the world, you will have trouble. But then Jesus says, take heart. I've overcome the world. And Stephen says, I didn't believe, if I didn't believe that, I would, I would be an extremely bitter and angry man. He said, my little girl's death underlined and solidified what I knew I believed, but it made it more real. When there was nothing else to hold on to, I heard myself say, God, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to worship you. Not because there's an audience, but I'm going to bless your name whether you give or take away. This young man knew, he said, that I could trust God. I don't know what his purpose was, but I can trust that he's, he has me. Hosea 2.15 says, I will transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. Again, I'm a hope dealer today. Amen. He's going to give you hope in your valley. I said, there's hope in the valley that you're going through. There's hope in whatever's happening in your life, whatever you're battling right now. And again, why does bad things happen? There's a purpose. I can't tell you every purpose. I can't tell you everything behind the scene. I can only tell you my hope is in God. Amen. Colossians 1.11 said, God will strengthen you with his own great power so that you will not give up when troubles come. I don't know if I gave them the scripture, but you will be patient. In other words, in the midst of that is when you get to know the presence of God. In the midst of that is when you know God's presence is with you. And the third thing is this. Write this down. Remember 
that whatever you're going through, that reward will last forever. How many know this is not the end of the story? We're going to be rewarded. I said we're going to be rewarded for our faithfulness. We're going to be rewarded for believing God. Whether you've gone through a valley of conflict, a valley of fear, or a valley of brokenness. Second Corinthians 4.17 says, For our present troubles are quite small. In other words, they, they're not big. And they won't last very long. Yet they are producing in us an internal glory that will last forever. And it is greater than anything that we can imagine. And I want to say to you, I believe when we get to heaven, we're going to say, and I was worried about that, and I was preoccupied about this, but now that I'm in eternity, those things are small. Those things aren't significant because I'm walking in the presence of God. And you'll be able to say, it's worth it. You'll be able to say, it's all worth it. It's worth the pain. It's worth the trouble. It's worth everything that I've gone through. I remember my wife having the baby, her third baby. And we were talking about, you know, she was talking about the pain and everything. And, and after she had this baby, she had gone through this pain, our third baby. She's holding that baby in her arms. And she looks at me and she goes, I can do it again. <laughs> I said, this woman was in pain. This woman was like, my gosh. And she's holding to me, I can do it. I go, my God, I don't know if I can. Amen. <laughs> and evidently we can. Amen. We only had three. But my goodness. She said, I can do it again. I go, what kind of woman is this? Amen. <laughs> because I'm telling you, when you get the reward, the pain is worth it. I said, when you get the reward, the pain is worth it. I don't know which valley you're going through, but look at what it says here in Psalms 107. It says, some were living in gloom and darkness like prisoners suffering in chains because they had rebelled against the commands of the Almighty and had rejected his instructions. They were worn out from hard work. Then in their trouble, they called to the Lord, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of their gloom and darkness, broke their chains in pieces. They now must thank the Lord for his constant love and for the wonderful thing he did for them. Until we get to heaven, until we get to heaven, man, we're not going to realize how small some of these valleys are. For a Christian, for a follower, the shadow is not the absence of the shepherd. In fact, the shadow tells you your shepherd is right with you. He's guiding you. He's with you. His rod and his staff. In fact, when, when David says that, he says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he makes it personal. He goes, You're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In other words, you're protecting me. You're guiding me. I believe whatever bad things are happening to you, God's going to see you through. How many believe that? He'll guide you through. I'm not belittling your darkness. I'm not belittling things that have happened in your life. I've lost my mom. I've lost my dad. I've lost my brother. I've lost a pastor. I've lost friends. We've lost twin babies. We've, we've, we've had some lost in our life. 
And I can tell you today, as I look back, I'm not bitter. I'm not angry. I trust God. My hope is in God. And though all these things have happened, I've probably been more than anyone in this place other than a nurse by deathbeds in the last moments of people's lives. They gave their last breath. And I can tell you, even with many of these people, their hope was still in God. Despite they were dying, despite they knew they didn't have long, their hope was in God. They weren't bitter. Some of them just said, man, I can't see, wait to see Jesus. I can't wait to be in the presence of God. They're kind of waving goodbye. He said, man, you're miserable. I'm, I'm going to a great place. They may, I, I feel bad for you that they're getting, to go, getting ready to go into eternity. Can I tell you, God is with us today. He comforts us. Somebody say, man, he comforts us today. And so I want us to pray. What, would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.